in the 1990s, and I thought to test your knowledge, we'll start with a little quiz. You guys study this week? Did you study for this? No? Okay. Well, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do a before they were rock stars quiz with some 90s rock stars. Uh, so we'll put up a picture of the rock star. I want you to guess out loud. You can yell, yell at home uh, who you think it is, and then I'll tell you who it really is. Okay, ready? Here is the first guy. Who is this guy? Nice senior portrait, yearbook picture. Anyone know who this is? I hear several guesses. I think maybe I heard the right one back there. This is Kid Rock. My name is Kid. Uh, that's Kid Rock. All right, let's go to the next one. Who? And if you're, if you're a fan, you will know this guy instantly, even though it's a young picture. Who is this guy? Somebody said it back there. That is James Hetfield of Metallica. You can still see. Uh, all right. Anyone recognize this future rock star back from the day? Anyone know who that is making the face? That is Prince. Get out those lighters. Come on. All right. How about this young lady from her, I'm guessing, probably yearbook? That is Gwen Stefani. Funny. Who ain't no holla back, no girl? No All right. How about this guy? This looks like eighth grade to me, but he looks like he's not all there. So, any guesses? I heard the right one over here. That is W. Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses. Uh, how about this future rock star? This is one of my favorites. Anybody know who this guy is? That is not me. I wish I could sing like this guy. That is, no, no, somebody got every single one right in the first service. You guys are disappointing me a little bit. That is Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. Like you don't know any word from that song, but it's an awesome song. Last one, who is this happy young man? Any guesses? That is Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Lead singer of Nirvana. And today, the song that won your vote uh, for the rock song from the 1990s is Nirvana's Come As You Are. It's interesting. Kurt Cobain never explained the lyrics of the song. Even when Nirvana did, their, uh, did the song in their MTV Unplugged show, where they often explain the story behind the song, he didn't explain it. And the lyrics are pretty unclear. The chorus is made up of a made-up word four times in a row. Memoria, memoria, memoria. Memoria. That's the chorus I had to work with this week. Um, the only thing I, I researched, the only thing I think Kurt Cobain ever said about the lyrics was this. He said, it's kind of confusing, I guess. <laughs> he said, it's just about people and what they're expected to act like. Uh, but there are theories about some of the lyrics in this song, and we're going to get into them today. So there is a, uh, there's a famous book called A Tale of Two Cities. Maybe you, you've heard of it, or maybe you read it. Big book. It starts out, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Right. Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want to tell you a tale of three cities. I want us to think about the lyrics of Come As You Are and about the life and death of Kurt Cobain uh, by telling you a tale of three cities. Uh, the story begins in Aberdeen, Washington, which for our purposes, uh, we're going to call the City of Lost Innocence. Uh, Aberdeen. 
Cobain is where Kurt Cobain uh, grew up. Um, he once described the, the city as like Twin Peaks without the excitement. It's a, kind of a boring town. Uh, and people who knew him back when he was a kid described uh, Cobain as very artistic and bright and cheerful. His early childhood was kind of uh, an age of innocence, like probably many, maybe most of ours. I mean, you're, you, you come into this world um, in a right? You start out with this lust for life. Like you have these big dreams about the future, great expectations. We all did once. And so did Kurt Cobain. He he was a happy kid, but his happy childhood was shattered when his parents went through an explosive divorce when he was eight years old. And in fact, um, in Come As You Are, one of the lines that repeats over and over is, I swear that I don't have a gun. I don't have a gun. No, I don't have... You guys are like, does this series mean we have to listen to you sing a lot? Maybe. We'll find out. So one theory is about that, lot, that lyric is um, back when he was just a kid, Kurt Cobain's mother one day, uh, angry at, at and afraid of her husband, Kurt's father, took, when he wasn't home, took all of his guns and threw them in a river. So some people think that's what he's talking about with that line. Um, his parents divorce was Kurt's first real taste of just the pain of life, right? And it, and it began, Kurt, on a downward spiral. And, and the truth is, we all have our own Aberdeen. We all have memories of that, that first taste of bitter disappointment, right? That, that first realization that this world is not a safe place. And one of my earliest memories in my life, I, I'm guessing I was four years My mother was angry at me for whatever I was doing. Whatever it was, it wasn't a big deal. I was five years old. Like, I wasn't robbing banks or selling meth or anything. I was a normal five-year-old kid. Probably, I think it was that I, w- I wouldn't go to bed when I was supposed to. I didn't go to my bedroom. And so we're standing in a hallway outside of my bedroom, and he's getting angrier and angrier. And all of a sudden, his fist comes flying at my face, went right past my head and through the wall. And... Um, the weird thing is, we never got the wall fixed. And so for years, every time I walked into my bedroom, there was this hole, this fist-sized hole in the wall that served as a reminder that this world is not safe. Beware. And you remember uh, some of your early bitter experiences with pain, right? And, and unfortunately, those first moments of pain are, are far from our last, right? N- none of us are strangers to abuse, betrayal, disappointment. Our relationships with each other are often tortured and painful. We, we may feel uh, distant from God, empty. The, the truth is that life is hard. We, we've all had our own Aberdeen. We've all experienced the lost innocence and the the the. End- Emptiness that Kurt Cobain did. The question is, how do you respond to that? Like, like, how do you come out of that? And that leads us into our second city, uh, Seattle, the second city that Kurt Cobain was a resident of. And, and for our story, we're going to call Seattle the city of empty experiences. So um, Seattle is, is this, uh, you know, place with a, lot, a city full of promise. Uh, it was also the 
home to the rock music movement of the early 90s, grunge. Uh, Kurt Cobain formed a band in high school called Nirvana in Aberdeen, and they all moved to Seattle to try to make it big. And, uh, you know, he, he, he thought, man... If I can make it big, I'm going to be able to escape the pain I'm coming out of. I'm going to be able to, to fill this emptiness inside of him. And so he put all of his hope in, in making it big, and he did it. Nirvana's second album called Nevermind was released in 1991. It exploded like a bombshell in the music world, sold millions of copies, uh, transformed grunge from this regional oddity in the Pacific Northwest to, to a national obsession. One music critic said that Nirvana turned the 1980s into the 1990s, and their music became the anthems for a generation. In fact, Kurt Cobain uh, was looked to by many as like the spokesperson, the, the representative of the youth of the 90s. Finally, finally, Kurt Cobain had what he had longed for his entire life, musical superstardom and everything that went with it. And he very quickly realized that it was empty, that it didn't even begin to satisfy him. It didn't heal the pain. It didn't fill the void. In fact, people who are around him, it's interesting. In interviews, they say that he ended up way more depressed after he achieved all of his goals than he was before, uh, which is amazing because, I mean, Kurt Cobain had it all. Everything was available to him. I mean, if, if there's fulfillment to be found in money, which some of us think there is, right? That's what we want. Well, then Kurt Cobain would have had it because he was rich. He had more than he knew what to do with. He could buy anything he wanted, but he still came up empty. If there was fulfillment to be found in fame and popularity, Cobain would have found it. Or in sex, because I mean, he had thousands of groupies who were available to him just by any time. And he still came up empty. Still unfulfilled, still unable to deal with the pain he had gone through, the emptiness inside of him, Cobain turned to drugs in a big way, which is another theory about the lyrics of Come As You Are. So one of the lines in the song says, Come doused in mud, soaked in bleach, as I want you to be, as a trend, as a friend. What does that mean? Um, well, there was a, a campaign in Seattle just before he wrote this song. Big billboards everywhere. And, and they all said, doused in mud, question mark, soak in bleach. And um, the idea was that if you doused in mud, which is slang for injecting heroin, before passing your needle to someone else, soak it in bleach because they were trying to prevent the spread of HIV and AIDS, which was a big thing in the 90s. And so most people think that what he was singing about was his friend, heroin. And um, Cobain says he loved heroin. He loved drugs. And if there was fulfillment to be found in it, if there was escape to be found in it, he would have. But, but he still came up empty. You know, the, the Seattle part of Cobain's story is extreme. I mean, he's, he's famous, he's rich, but, but I think we all can relate to it. Because we've all tried to numb the pain and, and fill the emptiness with, you know, with stuff, with experiences, with money, whatever it is. In fact, I, I wonder what you've looked to. Maybe you've, you've thought, if I, if I get enough money, I'll be happy. If I, if I can become more popular, more famous, 
Maybe you've looked to alcohol or drugs or sex, or, or maybe for you it's being a good person. If I was just a good person, if I was good enough. And, and I wonder how far you have to walk down that path before you finally realize, and this thing I am looking for is not to, it, it's not going to do what I need it to do. Kurt Cobain finally reached that point. He walked that path long enough, and he realized that he had everything he ever wanted, and none of it was doing for him what he wanted to. And so on April 8th, 1994, he stopped walking the path. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. And come as you are, he says repeatedly, I don't have a gun. I don't have a gun. And what's ironic is less than three years after the song came out, he shot himself with one. In his suicide note, he wrote this. He said, I haven't felt the excitement for too many years now. The fact is, I can't fool you, any one of you. It simply isn't fair to you or me. The worst crime I can think of would be to rip people off by faking it and pretending as if I'm having 100% fun. I must be one of those narcissists who only appreciates things when they're gone. I'm too sensitive. I need to be slightly numb in order to regain the enthusiasm I once had as a child. I don't have the passion anymore. And maybe you can relate. Maybe uh, you haven't felt that excitement or that passion for a long time. You're tired, right? You're, you're tired of, of trying to be what other people want you to be, which is another aspect of this song. You hear it in the words. He says, um, hurry up. Don't be late. You know, he's, he, he just can't live up to other people's expectations. And maybe you're like, man, I feel that way. And all of that brings us to... Jesus. Well, it does, it does mean. Because I've been thinking about this all week since I saw what you guys voted on. And the thing I wondered was, I wonder if, if Jesus could have had a conversation with Kurt Cobain. Like if Kurt Cobain was open to listening to Jesus. And they had a conversation maybe days before he committed suicide. What would Jesus have said to Kurt Cobain? Answer? I don't know. We don't know. But I want to take a guess, just a guess. Um, I, I think that Jesus maybe would have said something like, Kurt, I am so sorry that you have had such a hard life. Because I, I know about Aberdeen and how you lost your innocence there. And, and I know about Seattle and how it has been a city of empty experiences. But don't give up yet, Kurt. Don't give up because there is another city. third city. It's the city of eternal joy. And it's a city that we read about in the Bible in Revelation chapter 21. Um, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow 
or crying or pain, all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. There's a, another band from the 90s, Soul Asylum. Anybody remember Soul Asylum? A couple of you nodding your heads. Yeah. Um, so they, they had a lyric in a song um, that said, um, I'm homesick for a home I never had. Uh, maybe you felt that way. Um, I, I, I used to feel that way. And that mysterious home you longed for, um, man, that's the third city. That is uh, God's new Jerusalem. Uh, it's heaven. And the Bible describes heaven, um, this, this third city, as the biggest and greatest party we will ever experience. Like there's going to be this huge wedding bash, not like the one in November rain. Forget that, those images for a minute. But it's like, it's just going to be this wedding party filled with celebration. It's described as a dance where we're going to dance with each other and with God and with joy. It's described as a place of perfect community, close, intimate, caring relationships like we've never gotten to experience here. It's described as a place with no more uh, tears and no more pain. It's like finally we will fully heal from all the things that happened to us. And it's uh, the place we read that we're going to be with God fully. And we need to be with God fully because that emptiness we sense inside of us only God is big enough to fill that. And he will if we let him. That's what happens in heaven. And I'm convinced that's what Kurt Cobain was looking for his entire life. That's what we've been looking for our entire lives. And I think Kurt would be told by Jesus, I think Jesus would say, man, don't give up. Hold on. Because there's something more. There's a third city. If Jesus said that to Kurt Cobain, if they had this imaginary conversation, what would Kurt Cobain have said back? Um, I, I, I think he would have asked a question because that's what I would do. And in that moment, if Jesus said that to me, I would ask a question. And, and the question would be, how do you get to that third city? How, how do I get in? Because that's what I want, right? That, that's what I've been longing for my whole life. But how do I get there and how do I get in? And, and if he asked that, Jesus would say, you come to me. And when you come to me, come as you are. Come as you are. So listen to what Jesus said to a crowd of people he was teaching one day. And Jesus says these words. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come to me. Who, who is this for? Everyone. It's for anyone who's willing to come. That There's an invitation Jesus gives, and there's also a promise. Right? Jesus is saying here that you don't have to wait for heaven. Yes, there is something better coming, and that's what we put our hope in, but you don't have to just wait for heaven because you can experience something better now. That There's something better than we've ever experienced. Jesus makes an invitation and a promise. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Man, isn't that good? He says, come to me if you're tired. If you are tired of trying to succeed, 
If, if you're tired of not succeeding, if you're tired of succeeding and it not being fulfilling the way you thought it would be, come to me. He says, come to me if you're tired of, of always having to try to live up to the expectations of other people. Or if you feel like you can't live up to your own expectations. Or if you wonder if there's any way you could ever live up to the expectations of a, of a holy God. He says, just come to me. He says, come to me if you're tired of religion, of, of pretending and playing games and having to follow the rules. If you're tired, Jesus says, come to me. And he says, what? He says, I will give you rest. He says, rest for your souls. Whew, how good does rest sound? Like a nap sounds pretty good to me, especially today after losing an hour of sleep, right? Like I'd take a nap, but he's offering a lot more. He's like, I can, I can give you rest for your soul. I'm like, yes, please. How do I get it? You come to Jesus and you come as you are. He says, come, and then he says this kind of thing that's weird to us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So a yoke um, was and is a wooden instrument that connects two animals together so that they are, like, totally connected. It keeps them connected so that they have to walk in the same direction together and so that they have to walk at the same pace together. And Jesus says, I want to be yoked to you. And so what he's saying is, I want a connected relationship with you. I will teach you. Like, you can learn from me. If you'll just walk with me, you can learn a new way of living. A way that is, he says, it's light. And he says, it's free. And it's available to you if you walk with me. He says, as we walk together, like, you may stumble. But that's okay. He says, is because I am gentle and humble in heart. I won't punch holes in the walls. That's the opposite of who I am. Jesus is saying, I am love. And what I can do for you, if you just connect with me like this, I can set you free. And I will give your soul what it has always longed for, which is rest. And at the end of that, he says, I can give you new life. Man, doesn't that sound good? What an invitation that is. Come to me as you are. As you are. So Jesus says to you, and he says to me, come to me with all of your sin. Come with your, with your, your, your tarnished reputation, with, with your, your secrets, with your shame. Come to me with your addictions. Come to me with your disabilities. Come to me with your hurts and your scars and your bitterness, with all of your unfulfilled dreams, with your loneliness. Come to me with your confusion and your questions and your doubts. Come to me with, with your longing, with, with your empty soul. Just come. That's Jesus' invitation. Come to me. But, but how do you actually do that? Like, how do you come to Jesus? I mean, we, we now know that he's talking about a relationship, right? He's talking about a, 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 an everyday, like, connected, walking through life together, same direction, same pace, learning a new way of living from Jesus relationship, which just, but by the way, aside, I came into a relationship like that with Jesus when I was 20 years old from a completely no faith, no church background, and it's completely changed my life, and, and it can for you. But how do you come to Jesus? 
Jesus explained that too. He said in two ways. He said through belief and baptism. Through belief and baptism. Um, check out what Jesus said. One day he was at this religious festival, kind of like a party. And um, check out what he says to the crowd. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. There's the invitation again, right? He says, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Again, we, said, we see Jesus saying, come to me. And, and just a quick aside again. Um, he says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Drink. And, and what he means, I think, is you don't just come to me just having faith. We're, we're going to go back to faith. But, but he says, I want you to come to me and drink. And, and so if you're someone who says, I came to faith in Jesus like you did. You were 20. I was however old I was. But it hasn't changed my life. Maybe it changed yours. You claim it did. Cool. It hasn't changed my life. Why? Um, I don't know. But my, my question for you would be, do you come to Jesus and drink? Like do you come to Jesus every day looking to him for life, living connected with him, walking with him through life? Or you, do you just believe in him? Because he's saying, come to me and drink. Okay, so, so, so how do you come to Jesus? First, you believe. Jesus said, whoever believes in me. Right, whoever believes in me, meaning you put your faith in Jesus, um, that he is, uh, and, and that he is the one who went to the cross for you, that he is God's son come to you who died for you. So you believe, you put your trust in him to lead you through this life and to lead you into eternity. You believe and you're baptized. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So baptism, the word literally means to immerse in water. So baptism is when a person is lowered underwater and then raised back up out of the water, which is kind of weird, right? It's like he wants us to believe in him, makes sense, and then he wants somebody to dunk us underwater. Where, where did that come from? That's just weird. Well, it, it is a little weird, but it's actually beautiful. Uh, look at this description in Romans chapter 6. It says, For we died... Just to be clear, he, this is written to living people, okay? Everybody who read this was alive. But he says, we died and were buried with Christ huh, by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death through baptism, right? We will also be raised to life as he was. So what it's saying is, in, in baptism, we identify with and we actually join Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. And, and the gift that's offered, he, it says, is we receive new life. That's what we need. Right? We need new life. And we're actually uh, doing baptisms. We do it I don't know, four times a year. We'll do baptism days. We're doing baptisms. 
Systems on April 2nd, uh, which is three weeks from today. I just counted on my fingers. Three weeks from today. Um, and so if you're curious about baptism, you might just be like, I'm curious. Or maybe you have questions. Maybe you're like, no, I'm interested in baptism. If you go to verb.cc, there's a, a bunch of buttons you can click, links. Um, click baptism. What will happen is I will reach out to you. If you give me your email, I'll email you. If you give me a phone number, I'll, I'll call you. Um, and I will answer, no pressure at all. I, I'll never pressure anybody for anything. Um, I'll just answer questions you have. And if you're ready, I'll tell you about the baptisms. If you're watching online, you're like, I want to get baptized, but I will not be in Las Vegas on April 2nd. Still click that link and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll work that out for you. Um, if you choose to believe and get baptized, uh, what you're choosing is to come to Jesus. And as you come to Jesus and, and each day as you come to him and you drink, uh, you get new life. And Jesus promises, I will walk with you. If you'll just walk with me, I will teach you a new way of living. Day by day, as we walk together, um, we, we change directions together. I'm going to teach you a new way of doing life. And I will give you rest. You will finally find rest for your souls. And come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, good news, come as you are. Come as you are. So we, we actually want to give you a couple minutes to do that right now. Um, just a little bit of time in our service to, for you to come to Jesus, to, to, to maybe focus your thoughts on him, to pray to him, to, to take a moment and just, when's the last time you took a deep breath, just rest in him, um, to thank him. Maybe you might feel a need to confess something to him. And during this time, we also have a communion available in the room. Uh, communion represents Jesus' body and blood given on the cross for us. And it's a way that we are able to thank him for the sacrifice he made for us. If you'd like to take communion today, um, you're welcome to go back and get the bread and juice, bring it back to your seat. When you're ready, you can take it. Okay? So let me pray, and then we'll give you a couple minutes. There's going to be some quiet music, but just a chance for you to come to Jesus. God, we've all been through Aberdeen. We've all gone through some pain in life. Some of us have gone through a lot of pain in life. And, and, and you get to a place where you're just like, where is their healing and how do I get a new life? I'm so banged up. God, we've all gone through Seattle. We've all had things we thought, well, if I just do this, if I just get this, that's going to change everything for me and it's all going to be different. And then we got that and we did that and it just didn't do for us what we wanted it to. So God, we thank you that there is a third city, that there is a city of eternal joy, uh, that we, we can put our hope that this life is not all there is. This life is hard, but it's not all there is. There's something better coming, a place where we will no longer mourn. We will have every tear wiped from our eyes. And we'll experience you fully, and we will be filled. But we don't just have to wait because you make this invitation to us. Come to me. Walk with me. Drink me in. Learn a new way of life from me. I can start giving you a new life right now. God, we want that. Maybe there's someone in the room, someone watching online who's like, I need that. I've never said yes to you, Jesus, and I want to put my faith in you. And April 2nd, I want to get baptized. I want to do it all. 
There's probably a lot of us who have done that, but we, we need to say, God, I need to walk with you every day, not just believe in you. I need to drink you in every day. God, we come to you now in these next couple of minutes asking you to fill us, asking you to help us to know the next step in our spiritual journey to you. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus.